Hello and welcome back to episode four of Handball in Numbers, the Handballistic podcast. My name is Mark Hawkins and I'm joined again by Julian Rooks. Hello, Julian. Hi, Mark. And today we look at uh, expected goals. Julian will talk about that in a moment, but our feature game of the day was Japan 29, Egypt 33. Top scorers for Japan were... Uh, Shinosoku Tokuda uh, with eight goals and Ahmed Alakmar from Egypt with eight goals as well. The the metric that we're focusing today on is expected goalers, which itself is a very easy metric. You simply add the probability of a goal for each shot. Then you can compare this to, for example, the actual goalers scored. But obviously the, the factors and variables that determine the probability of a goal can vary extremely. The, the model for the expected goals that you can see on the stats that I usually put out is a simple model based on the shot positions from official play-by-play play and based on the goal probabilities from shots from international games since 2008. The first person that has published uh, expected goals for handball based on this was, I believe, the Italian coach and analyst Sergio Palazzi. And uh, the other model that we'll be talking about is Mark's model, which is more detailed and precise because he tracked the exact position of each shot himself and built his own model based on thousands of shots. So there are differences between the two models, but the results usually do not differ too much from each other, but there are some minor differences. Expected goals and different further developed metrics from that are very popular in football. You sometimes see it even in regular broadcasts of games. But sadly, often the context and interpretation is missing or misleading, Well, which we are trying to give you for handball in the game of Egypt and Japan today. So for this game, as Mark said, the score was 29.33. The expected goal score was, according to my simple model, 25.2 to um, 30.3. And according to Mark's model, it was 23.2 for Japan, 29.5 for Egypt. So today we're joined by uh, Rasmus Boysen, professional player in Fredericia in Denmark and also a social media expert or personality, if you will. Hello, Rasmus. How are you? Fine. And you? Yeah, good. Thank you. Nice to have you here. And uh, yeah, first of all, uh, today's episode, we're looking at expected goals. Uh, obviously, this is something new or maybe even not really in existence yet in Hamble. But what are your what are your general thoughts and impressions? Uh, how do you understand it and how do you see it maybe having a, a, an impact in the game in the future? Uh, first of all, I like that the, the stats is going to be more and more important in, in the game of handball. Uh, I think it's, it's a very important thing uh, to understand the game and to develop the game. And the expected goals, we know it uh, from football, it's quite new also there. I think that handball is a very, very complex uh, game and that makes... Uh, a system like expected goals uh, very, very uh, difficult to use. I think uh, there's a lot of ways to use it. But uh, first of all, I, I like it that that you can see some matches. Okay, we have a winner, but we also have a team maybe sometimes who, who played better, who get the, the better chances. Uh, so uh, for me, I, I also think that you can use it a lot in some aspects of the game to look at maybe uh, for an example, like the seven against six. Okay, uh, was it good? Was it not good? Uh, and the five against six and so on but i think it's very very difficult to use because you know there's a lot of uh, different uh, players and playing styles and to try to to calculate how uh, the expected goal is in handball it's it's quite tough yeah exactly and i think uh yeah myself and, and julian we both have 
slightly different models or different ways of assessing it a little bit and uh, we see some similarities and some differences but of course it's you know you're, you're comparing areas uh, or different shots but it could be with no defender no block or two blocking players mm-hmm. or things like this so it's it, it is very complicated but like you say I think it starts to give you a good guide and you know so maybe a little bit performance over outcome a little bit from the from the information you've seen so far and from the expected goals data, is there anything you've seen that is surprising to you or teams that maybe we will see a little bit more from or who maybe have got a little bit lucky? Is there anything you've interpreted so far? Yeah, it's difficult to say. I think some of the matches, it's pretty even in the expected goals, uh, despite the fact that some of the matches is not that even uh, on the court. Uh, and that's uh, pretty surprising for me. Uh, and as you said, uh, of course, it's, it's difficult because it's to compare also because you see some players they are very good at uh, shots from near post and some of the players is, is better at uh, shots from distance uh, I also think that uh, one of the most important thing in, in handball is timing and if yeah. you don't have the right timing you can have a shot from six or seven meter but uh, you won't score and that I think uh, it's difficult to, to, to see that in the expected goals uh, system but yeah uh, it's difficult to say also because it's it's uh, they have only played like two or three matches uh, in the yeah. tournament at the moment i think it's it's better to to look the the end of the tournament to see how the expected goals is yeah i c- completely agree i think one of the interesting things and we look a little bit at japan and egypt today but we can go back and see the earlier games and uh, denmark versus japan in the opening day it was a 17 goal victory for denmark and looked very dominant uh, in the match, but the expected goals was maybe a little bit closer. It looked at, you know, 39-33. That, I think, maybe shows us that that was maybe, uh, it could be a lot of things, a home Olympics, the first time for a lot of these players, maybe difficult for the Japanese players. But in the next two games, they've come into the tournament a little bit more with a great performance against Sweden and uh, a much closer game against Egypt today. So do you have any opinions on, on them, particularly as a host and from today's game? Do you see, you know, their style or from what you've seen from the expected goals, uh, some interesting things for them? Yeah, I think that uh, Dago Sigurdsson is a very clever coach. Uh, he knew that in the first match it will, would be very, very difficult against, against Denmark. And furthermore, the Agere uh, was not into the game. Very important player for Japan. I think they used the seven against six against Sweden uh, very cleverly. They they play like a team and they know they it's difficult for them. Of course, they don't have the the biggest stars, but uh, I think they play uh, like with the heart and and so on. And they play some uh, some fast handball with pace uh, offensively. I think that it's shown that when they shoot from a distance, they're not that good. They they have to to go for the 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 close range shots uh, instead of yeah. the distance shots. Uh, in my yeah. opinion. That's maybe the fact for most of the teams in the world, but uh, you also saw, saw against uh, Egypt, who might be the, the strongest physics uh, team in, in the competition against the, maybe the weakest uh, physics uh, team in the, in the competition. The, then you have to play uh, with the close range shots and, and try to, yeah. to make some pace also in the counter attacking. You, you mentioned really a lot of, of things that are really interesting that will get to later on. But first, I want to go to one point that Mike mentioned, the, the overperformance from, from Denmark in the first game of Japan, when you compare actual goals to expected goals. I think one important factor uh, was that for expected goals, uh, your starting point is that you have an average goalkeeper performance. 
and Japan, especially uh, in the first two games today, it was uh, was on average, um, but in the two first they didn't have um, or barely any saves by by their goalkeepers. So obviously, this is the first po- point. Uh, usually, why actual goals are higher than the expected goals. You you mentioned that Japan is like a smaller team that they don't have the best backcourt shooters probably. But still, today they they shot more from backcourt than than Egypt. Expected goals in general tell us that that uh, the, the shots the better the closer you get to the goal. Yeah, it's difficult because I think that Egypt has a very very great defense, and it's very very di- difficult for the opponents to to get these close range shots. Uh, you also saw that at the World Championship, uh, for example, Denmark they had a lot of close range shots in all the matches, this, uh, but not against Egypt in the quarterfinals. So uh, Egypt, they are so strong, man against man and physics. So you have to take some shots from outside, from uh, from the long distance, I think. And another point also um, from the goalkeeping aspect, I think that it's quite funny that it looks for me that uh, Japan, the goalkeepers, they are much better at the close range shots than from the long distance. Uh, so that's also a thing that's not so good when you when you try to collect expected goals. So um, that's also quite funny. But I think also we have so, we have seen that Egypt at the World Championship, they had some problems with the speed, uh, the pace. They don't have like this uh, playmaker who creates speed, uh, and they don't have that now. But it seems like they have tried to focus on the on the counterattacking phase, the second wave, also against Japan, but uh, also especially against uh, Denmark, and they have been good in that phase, I think. So that's also fun, funny to see that it seems like they have made a strategy uh, from Parando that, uh, okay, seven, uh, six against six, sorry, uh, they have some problems offensively. They don't play with so much speed. They play one against one, one against one, two against two. But in the counter-attacking phase, I think they are very strong uh, because they, they have this speed. Players like Hesham and uh, Yael Dara and, and Sain, when they come with speed, they shoot uh, very, very good. I think that it's it's a good uh, way of doing it uh, from uh, the Egyptian side. I think it, it, just interestingly on that with the Egyptian side, I've noticed doing some of the the shot charts for them. From a lot of the teams, you can see a clear gap between the six meter shots and the nine meter shots, normally outside the nine meters. Whereas Egypt, they have quite a lot of shots around seven or eight meters, and I think that's. They're, they're very unique in the style, the backcourt players, that they're so physically good, physically strong and physically quick that it seems defences are engaging with them around nine or ten metres and they're good enough to win that one-on-one and shoot explosively from seven or eight metres. And I think that's, for expected goals, that's also a good thing because they're shooting a little bit closer. But tactically, do you think it might seem a little bit strange. And for a team like Japan, it would have been very difficult when they're smaller in, in stature. But for one of the more physically stronger European teams, you know, would it almost be something to to wait back a little bit, maybe not come so high out and engage in nine or 10 metres, maybe come back a little bit further because I think they're actually shooting a little bit closer to the goal than they would be if you waited back a little bit more. Yeah, it's of course it's difficult. Uh, yeah. I think that we saw it in the beginning of the match against Denmark. Uh, they had a lot of man against man. Uh, yeah, Egypt they won several of these uh, man against man uh, fights. It looked like uh, in the second half that Denmark they tried to be more compact, give some more space outside in the areas outside. Uh, because also, if if you uh, take some heights on the shooting uh, players from from Egypt, you also have a very good uh, line player in in uh, Mamdou. <laughs> so you can't just go up on ten or eight, uh, ten or eleven yeah. meters. Uh, 
so it's it's all about uh, trying to to win these men against men uh, fights and and try to to help uh, each other because uh, what they are very good at uh, Egypt is like to get uh, around one man and then take the other man with them and then they they are good to go so yeah mm-hmm. it's it's difficult but that also uh, yeah i think that's the problem also so, sometimes for egypt that they they play a little bit individually and they play yeah some slow handball offensively sometimes mm-hmm. yeah and i think to go back maybe to a point that we made earlier that the expected goals today were also uh, heavily influenced by the, the t- number of turnovers, which resulted in empty net goals and fast breaks, which obviously gives you a high expected goals number for, for each shot. So you mentioned earlier that you think that timing in handball is uh, extremely important for the possibility of making sh- uh, a successful shot. If you had unlimited data possibilities, how, how do you think that timing could be How could it be displayed in, in data? What, what could you do? <laughs> yeah, that's a very, very good question. I think that's almost impossible uh, to, to, to make that data. Uh, yeah, as you said, it's very important with the timing. And I think in, in the NBA, in basketball, we've seen a little bit with tracking data. There's, they have some statistics on how long the player has the ball in their hands for so if they're waiting in the corner for a shot and the ball comes how quickly they can release it i think that's probably the closest thing i can think of but it's maybe also the the location of the defender that's that's closest Mm. or or yeah totally and another aspect is also that a player can be cold and and he can be uh, on fire and you know some of the players they are better when when it's in crunch time and some are are not are very bad when when a team is up by 10 or 11 so that's difficult you saw today that a player like Mohamed Sanat who normally is a very very good shooter in the French league he had some problems in the beginning and Mm. after one and and two misses of course also the first was a missed shot so and and that's also difficult to to measure that in Mm. because uh, yeah sometimes you just have the day and sometimes you don't Yeah. yeah, even yeah. though I have, I want to add here that the, the hot hand is heavily discussed well, in science, or especially in basketball, if it's actually true mm. or not. There are some people yeah. that claim they've researched, yeah, it's absolutely true. And some say it just doesn't exist. Yeah. yeah, I also think that there's a big difference from, from uh, basketball where you don't have a goalkeeper and handball yeah. where you have a goalkeeper. Mm. Absolutely. Because yeah. Yeah. some of the goalkeepers, they, <clears throat> I know from myself, One of the, some of the goalkeepers you can't even score because they you're just in the pocket and sometimes yeah. you just uh, can do everything against the goalkeeper. So yeah. so that's also one of the things that makes handball even more complex. You know, absolutely. Yeah. But maybe yeah, that may, might be a point to to adjust for an expected goals where you like weight mm-hmm. uh, expected goals by the strength or weaknesses of the goalkeeper. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I think you should do that because. You know, some of the goalkeepers, they are amazing, uh, one against one in the nearest shots, and uh, some have are very, very good with the blocks, and some are very, very good yeah. long distance and, yeah, uh, penalties and, and so on. So, yeah, you can develop a lot with, with that. <laughs> yeah, the no. possibilities are endless, I think. Uh, yeah, exactly. Just, I mean, we've touched a little bit on some individual statistics there. I mean, with expected goals, I mean, we've talked about teams overperforming or underperforming. How do you see that with players and recruitment in handball, especially when we have players coming from different leagues or different countries? And, you know, for example, we have the the Japanese uh, right wing, Hiroki Motoki, 
at, at the moment through three matches, he's scoring three goals more than we would have expected him to score at this stage. He's, you know, on a very good percentage against top European, you know, Champions League competition. If he keeps this going towards the, until the end of the tournament, is that enough for a club to look at him in, in Europe and say he's probably good enough? Or do you still think there's some, some reservations about something like that? Uh, to be honest, if I was uh, if I was a club, I would I would use this uh, more because I know that sometimes clubs they, they only look at goals and they look at assists, yeah. but but handball is much more than that. Yeah. So if you of course expected goals is also a good thing. If if as you say, if you score two or three goals more than you should, <laughs> then you're a very good player, and if you can do that throughout a season, that's very very good, of course. Yeah. So I think that the scouting system in handball could use this a lot. Yeah, you, you know, of course, handball is a professional sport, but in some parts of handball, it's quite not professional. So that's that's a way to develop and to to get to to get the right players. But of course, when we talk about the non-European players, it's also difficult because when you, they come to Europe, you have seen that they can be very very talented and they can be very very good, but. It's difficult to, to play mm. when you get to another culture. I've played myself with the Egyptian uh, playmaker, Yaya Eldara, and uh, one year in, in Ribesbia, and he was an amazing player with an amazing shot, but it was very, very difficult for him to, for the first time, go abroad, for the first time, yeah. uh, live without his parents. And of course, uh, yeah, now he, he's he's back in Egypt and he has developed uh, amazingly. So, uh, yeah, it's, it's difficult when it's the, these non-European players, I think. Yeah, you know, it's interesting with a very similar example from, from the women's side. We've had uh, uh, Ikahara being fantastic as a right wing in, in, in Orleans and Nuka being in. But yet when uh, Yui Tsunami, the right back, came to play yeah. for one year in Nuka being, it, mm-hmm. it didn't quite work the same way. And like you say, that also goes back into the Japanese style of play. We talked on earlier that they were... I think in when Japan beat Montenegro yesterday, they had one shot from nine meters, whereas I think it was yeah. eleven or twelve against the Netherlands. And it's that's the the style of play you touched on that was very team oriented, very using three, four, five quick passes, quick pressures in a row to create a space. And you know that's where they can be effective, which is again you're not going to get the same style as a back player in Nukabing, whereas as a wing player, actually exactly. you're going to get exactly. similar types of chances. Yeah, exactly. I, I think that's a very good point, the last part, with the wingers and the backcourt. It's not the same, but of course, we have, we have seen historically that, of course, the players from Asia can go to Europe and be, be very, very good. Kang mm-hmm. and, and Yun and, and so on. So, yeah. And I think that would, would be great also for the development of, of Japanese and Asian yeah. handball. Just one more thing I just want to throw at you as a, a sort of statistically that I've seen uh, Matthias Gissel has been a revelation since the world championships really um, but so far in the two games that he played against uh, Japan and in Egypt his average shot quality or likelihood of scoring each shot was 70% which as a backcourt player is phenomenal the closest backcourt player I have to him in the statistics was Miguel Hansen but that's, and his was about 67%, but that's with 11 penalties. I mean, without penalties, it was, he was nowhere close. So for a back player to have every time he shoots, the likelihood of him scoring is about 70%. I mean, how good is that? I mean, that is, it's a joke really, isn't it? It's, I mean, how yeah, can it's, you... it's pretty insane. 
Yeah, I could say that if it was from long range in short, I think that the, that the number would be like 20 or 30. Exactly, uh, yeah. But I think the, the Danish style of playing is perfect for him. Of course, Mikkel Hansen, he is one of the best <laughs> players in the world and he's very, very dangerous and take a lot of focus. And the way he passes makes the assist is, is amazing. Furthermore, uh, Matthias Kiesel is very, very dangerous in the counter-attacking phase and mm. almost all of his shots is... Is close range and of course when you look at some of the wing players who also make close range shots they also have a great uh, yeah percentage so uh, mm. that's i think that's uh, part of the of the reason why you can do it but no matter what it's amazing it's it's crazy yeah. actually yeah. because also sometimes i think that he takes uh, some shots from uh, yeah from wide and uh, yeah difficult angles i would say mm. uh, and he's mm. very good at that so uh, amazing player yeah, amazing yeah. Player. and it's Especially as the right back position for Denmark has has been a problem for some years, mm. and it's yeah, they seem to have solved it, and they look uh, I don't want to say unstoppable, but are they unstoppable? Uh, no team is, but uh, yeah. <laughs> but it looks very very good. Uh, yeah, I yeah. think so. Yeah. All right. Thank you so much, Rasmus, for for being our guest today and for your for your insight. Thank you. Thank you. Tomorrow we will be joined by another Rasmus, Rasmus Van Beck, assistant coach from uh, Sunjuska in Denmark in the men's league and a goalkeeper specialist to talk about goalkeeper statistics. Until then, as always, follow us on as Handballitics on Twitter, Instagram and Facebook or go to handballitics.de to get stats or advanced stats from all games from the Olympics. Um, well, until tomorrow, hear you then.